When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this Friday edition of TC Live as we wrap up the round-robin portion of the ATP Finals in Turin. The semifinals are set, and it's historic. Here's what's coming up over the next half hour. Carlos Alcaraz controlling his semifinal destiny. A win over Daniil Medvedev to set up a blockbuster over the weekend. Plus, a lot of points and money on the line between Andre Rublev and Alexander Zverev. Can the Russian leave Italy with his first win? And great signs for Rafa Nadal. What the 22-time Grand Slam champion had to say about his return to the court will break it all down. So get your phone in selfie mode like Carlitos, because we got a couple Hall of Famers and an Aussie superstar about to bless your television screen. Come on in, let's go. It's TC Live from our studios in Santa Monica, California. That's one Hall of Famer, Jim Courier. The other on the big screen, Andy Roddick. And the Aussie superstar himself, who I believe knows a little something about tennis, <laughs> Nick Kyrgios. Uh, this was spectacular. For the first time, fourth time in 30 years, we've got the top four players in the world advancing to the semifinals. Andy, you were a part of that in 2004. Uh, it's pretty special. Sinner, Medvedev, Alcaraz, Djokovic. What, how excited are you to get going tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know anyone that's excited anytime Alcaraz and Novak play. It seems like they're just not thirsty for that matchup in general out on planet Earth. Uh, obviously, I am joking. I cannot wait for these matchups. Uh, we have Alcaraz versus Djokovic, and actually neither one of those two has been the best player in the tournament this week so far. We got Sinner against Medvedev uh, in the other half. This is just the stuff that dreams are made of, especially having the young Italian uh, in play in turn. The level of tennis has been uh, through the roof this week from where I'm sitting. Uh, what, what are you seeing, guys? I mean, the best of the best rise to the top, right, Nick? We got one versus two. The, 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 the goat generation against the new generation. And then you got the Italian with the home crowd taking on Daniil Medvedev. Yeah, you couldn't have asked for, for anything better. And I think, you know, that match preview between Alcaraz and Djokovic, I think that match against Medvedev today is going to boost Alcaraz's confidence because he wasn't comfortable playing on the surface. Then you go out there and beat Medvedev pretty convincingly, as I actually predicted. He's going to bring that up. Um, but I think that's going to, you know, put him in good, uh, good trade moving forward against Djokovic for sure. Yep, and here we go. Now we're back into a rhythm where it's, it's on and on and on, right? You play Saturday, you're playing Sunday. It's go time. Are you fit? Are you ready to bounce back? Is Sinners back? Okay, that's a question that will be answered in the first match. He was referring to it in his win yesterday. He's going to need to be moving incredibly well and hitting incredibly well to take out Medvedev. And then we get the, the big show in the <laughs> afternoon. Couldn't have scripted it any better. Pretty nice, right? It, it, uh, the top four players in the world going for the year-end title. Here is how it all went down today, starting with Alcaraz and Medvedev. Rematch from the U.S. Open semifinals, Andy, that was won by the Russian, but Carlitos has found his groove in Torino. Yeah, we see the adjustment that he made from New York straight out of the gate. Not letting Medvedev kind of stick in his stock position of three to six feet behind the baseline. Using a lot of those slices to bring Medvedev into the court and then playing it deep off of those responses. 
You see these first two points, he's creating space by bringing Medvedev forward a little bit. And this serve is a mature serve. Had been setting the table wide with the serve involved the entire time. Tosses the ball up right and is still able to hit that flat one. Uh, listen, he's becoming a guy that can hit all serves off all tosses. Kind of like the guy sitting next to Courier there, Nick Kyrgios. But creating space, bringing Medvedev forward a little bit. Right here, you see him inside the court and then bullying the ball deep to the other side of the court. And if you can do that, just for good measure, a sliding dropper. When Carlos is in full flight, he's about as fun as anyone, about as fun to watch as anyone who's ever played the game. A real treat, clinic of a performance for Alcaraz today, and adjustments made from the last time they played in New York. 20 winners today, came to the net 21 times, won 16 of those points. Say both break points he faced, converted a couple. Said, I think the most important thing I did today was to stay strong mentally. Not only that, I mean, the stat sheet reads out as well. 75% first serves, won basically every category today against Daniil Medvedev, and then caught up with Prakash after. You did everything well, serving, returning, moving. Do you feel this is the most confident and best tennis you've been playing maybe in the second half of the season? Uh, probably. Uh, probably. It was uh, an, amazing month, uh, an amazing match for, for me. Uh, I did everything pretty well, you know, before the match and uh, during the match. Uh, I'm really, really happy with the, the way that I prepared the match, uh, you know, mentally, physically, uh, everything that uh, I've done, I, it, was, uh, it was perfectly. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, I did a pretty good match serving. So that helped a lot, you know, in this uh, in this surface. In the, I guess a player like Daniel that uh, put uh, every return in, uh, and uh, you know, he was uh, I was really focused on the match. So that's uh, I'm really happy about it. He liked his serving, and he liked the drop shots, the coming forward. What do you think, Carlos did best? Well, I, I think the confidence that he's starting to show is really important. When he's doing everything well, I mean that uh, he's. My favorite player to watch, no doubt about it. But his confidence had dipped. There's no question about that after the U.S. Open. Hadn't quite found his swagger. But this week, maybe it's starting to come back. It's important to kind of stick the landing at the end of the year and go into the next season with some momentum. Remember, last year he missed Australia. He got injured just beforehand. So he's got a chance to gain some ground in that number one ranking, maybe wrestle it back from Novak. But we've got a big match ahead tomorrow. If he can bring this level of tennis tomorrow, it's going to be tough to beat. What would you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, Jim raised all the good points, but I think for Novak, Novak's going to have to, you know, not be so defensive. I think tomorrow he's going to have to try and force the issue a little bit. I think if he sits back and lets Alcaraz, you know, use that forehand, you know, bring, bring him forward, drop shot, and then get the crowd involved, I don't, I don't think it's going to look good for Novak. I personally think Novak will win. I'm going to tell you my prediction now, but I think Novak's going to try and have to force the issue, stand up on the court, redirect with the back end, and keep Alcaraz guessing. You're the one that picked Alcaraz today. You also called both of Rublev's serves. Correct today. He's got the hot hand, baby. He's like, <laughs> Vegas is not too far away, just so you know. Nick Kyrgios knows a little something about tennis, yep. right? Uh, Daniil Medvedev, Andy, said after the match, he played much better than he did against Alexander Zverev, and he still lost. I mean, what does that tell you about Carlos Alcaraz today? Listen, before we throw a parade, all of us got 50% of our picks right today, okay? Just so we're clear. I knew he was going to do that. But, but, but listen, Alcaraz, when he's in full flight, is, is just a, an absolute spectacle to watch. But my favorite thing, uh, I referenced it during the highlight, but early on in that, when he's up a break, 30-all fighting to hang on, 
back from Love 30 in that service game, had been peppering that wide serve over and over and over again, all of a sudden sets the table and pulls a string center as Medvedev check steps three steps right. Now, most people watching at home go, oh, he hit a good serve. No, no, he invested in that moment and in that serve by setting the table and then being able to execute after he had set the deck for the 20 or 25 previous minutes. That is maturity, using that little chipper Magoo to bring Medvedev inside the court a little bit and then firing deep to the open spaces, not just trying to go completely through him, but basically using that jab to set up the body blow or the uppercut. Uh, listen, we, we, we say it all the time. We watch them here on the show, but just watching maturity and tennis IQ in real time grow each match was just awesome. Let me just take it for a second. First of all, I agree with everything Andy just said, and I also agree Australia's got some of the best coffee in the world, but Charlotte must have some good coffee too. You were caffeinated today, Mr. Roddick. Holy cow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, l listen, just just pumped to be amongst you all, Jim. I'll be calm. I'll just, I'm sorry I got carried away. I'll moderate the tone of my voice. Feel, feel free to join us in the flesh anytime, I'm in. Is, uh, <laughs> have you heard of the Chipper Magoo before? I actually have. That's okay. a saying down in, in the down under, but I, I wasn't expecting it there. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. I'm not going to lie. Caught me off guard. Definitely caught me off guard. Alcaraz, youngest <laughs> ATP final semifinalist since Rafa Nadal, and that was back in 2006. Hmm. So, Sasha Zverev, he had needed Medvedev to win. That didn't happen, but still 200 points, 400 grand on the line against Andre Rublev. Playing for the ninth time, Jim. Zverev won the first five. Rublev won the last three coming in. Yeah, including just a few weeks back indoors in Vienna in similar conditions. So this is one where Zverev wanted to kind of put things right because he was 5-0 and head-to-head -head going into this season and had lost those three. Tough start for him, Nick, but then he reeled it back in and the serving really carried it a lot for Sasha. Yeah, I just think Rublev didn't really find any rhythm from the back of the court. So many unforced errors off that, you know, dominant wing. We usually see that forehand side. But Zverev, I thought, served great. You know, over 70%. Um, hit the both tees on both sides incredibly well in big moments. And I think Rublev just had a frustrating week. I mean, I know what that, that's like. I mean, it feels like nothing can go your way. And that, I think that game at 3-all where I think... Zverev here hits a couple hot shots and then that net tape and things just weren't going his way and Zverev obviously served, served it out and I think he was just too good. I mean that one there, that's the hot shot of the day. Yeah, that was amazing and this was 30 love. He's serving and all of a sudden Sasha, Sasha rips off a couple of points where he was really out of it like that. Gets the net court, gets the break and that would be the end of it. And uh, he would be able to serve it out. Another service winner at uh, the first serve carrying the day, only one double fault also for Sasha. So uh, a good way for him to finish a comeback season back into the top ten. I would say, I mean, this was a great tournament for Sasha's yeah, fair. Got a win against Carlos Alcaraz, gets a win here against Rublev, who he hadn't beaten all year. Wh which of the numbers do you like best, Jim? I mean, I think if you limit your unforced errors at 13 and you hit 10 aces and just one double fault, you're going to have a hard time losing when you're as solid the rest of, the, of your game as Vera is. So this was a terrific tournament for him. Beating Alcaraz, beating Rublev, that's a strong way to finish the season. Unfortunately, does not get to advance to the semifinals, but still goes 2-1 and one in round-robin play. Uh, Andy, when you, when you break this down, obviously they're both going home. What's your biggest takeaway for Sasha Zverev? Well, listen, let's rewind a year and see what Sasha Zverev was, was facing last offseason. I hope I come back. I hope. Listen, I, I watched him in Australia, and he looked pretty ordinary, expectedly, right, after that long layoff, after the uh, ankle injury. So we got to give props and credit where credit is due, right? Qualifying for this event again, coming in and winning two out of your three matches, uh, you know, beating Alcaraz the last week of the year. Uh, nothing but props for, for Sasha Zverev for what he accomplished this week, but also throughout the year, his serve looks as safe 
as I've ever seen it, right? He can hit those big numbers. He can hit it hard. The second serve isn't going wobbly. He's able to find the middle of the box and mix up paces on command right now, which isn't something he's owned over the last four to five years. So if I'm Sasha Zverev's camp, I'm happy with uh, with this week and with this year on, on hold. On the other side, Andre Rublev, Nick, probably not too happy. He goes 0 for 3. You did, you did pick him to win this match. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just going to be a bit nicer to himself. I've said it um, over and over again. He's had a great season, won Monte Carlo. You look at all the past champions as they won Monte Carlo. It's an amazing accomplishment. So you went 3-0 and against some pretty tough opponents, but I don't think you should go home, you know, super disappointed. I think he's made three quarterfinals this year in the Grand Slam. So I think moving to Australia, he's got to be in a good mindset moving forward. I mean, I'll come fly to fly to wherever he is and try and help him out mentally. You know, I think I've got that down pack. So, um, I'm... <laughs> he did better with the racket toss today. He did the Roddick, yeah. you know, slam yeah. it straight yeah. down. Not, don't sure. hurt anybody, including no. yourself. What, what do you think gets Rublev past that quarterfinal at a major stage? Yeah, I mean, he's run into a couple tough opponents. Running into foe in the U.S. Open is a tough feat to, to, to pass. But I think... In a Grand Slam, I, I learned that last year. It's just so such a mental mental grind. Physically, you actually feel okay. It's just mentally being in the same spot for over two weeks. It's, I mean, you know what it's like. Andy knows what it's like. It's, it's brutal. And I think mentally, if you're going to get so angry and anxious all the time, you just feel drained by the quarterfinal stage. So if he can maybe just channel those emotions a bit better, I can't believe I'm saying that, but if you can channel <laughs> your emotions a bit better, maybe you can get past the quarterfinals. Look, I, I think for him also, he and his team should take a look at some of the data and say, okay, look, my second serve points one, that's lower than a lot of people mm. in in my ranking range there's some areas where he could make some of the similar gains that Yannick Sinner mm. has made I think he could get a little bit more uh, muscular uh, for that second serve that would help add the drop shot in it it didn't look good when he tried mm -hmm. it today but when you've got as much power off the ground as he has he pushes people back he could use the drop shot on the forehand and get some cheap points but uh, you know look overall He's got so much to be proud of. Four times he's been in this, four years in a row, he's made it to this tournament. That is an incredible achievement yeah. for anybody. So well done to him on the season, and there's room to improve. Good news there. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that separates Rublev from everyone else at that stage is that if he faces someone like a Nick Kyrgios, Nick Kyrgios thinks he's going to get really good looks at that second serve. Right. So whether it's toning the shoulders a little bit more, trying to create a little bit more space to go after it uh, a little bit more, running more serves in on the forehand. It seems like the bunny kick kind of middle to backhand side is, is standard. If you're predictable against the best players in the world, they will eat your lunch on the return. That is the old, the biggest differentiator between Rublev and the people that are making finals at Grand Slams right now. Listen, you make the year end finals. You got a lot to be proud of. You go home. Get, get in your vacation, come back, fire by, in Australia. By the way, bringing a stack of cash with you. That's a pretty good season financially. <laughs> Not too bad. Make it rain. He, he definitely has the bag. Uh, Prakash will be with us to talk to Alexander Zverev later in the show. Plus, it's winner take all in the doubles action today. We'll let you know who is moving on to the semifinals. Will we have a repeat winner in Turin? Back on TC Live, Nick, Jim, Steve, Andy on the big screen. Take a look at semifinal Saturday. Start 6 a.m. Eastern. We, we got the top four singles players in the world going head-to-head -head with Sinner, Medvedev, singles number two, Alcaraz, Djokovic, one against two. The four of us wrap it all up on TC Live, 5 o'clock Eastern. Encore coverage if you missed anything. And something that I know Kyrgios and uh, Roddick are really interested in. What's it like outside the arena in Turin? Here's Fox Weather.
Hey there, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather Meteorologist Mike Lestime. Here's tomorrow's ATP Finals forecast. Looking spectacular, right? Mostly sunny temperatures in the mid and upper 50s. It'll be a great day to be out and about. And remember that you can always download the Fox Weather app or stream it from your favorite connected TV device. That is preferable, then, right? Yes. Great condition. <laughs> We knew when you're coming and going. All right, doubles action. Wesley Kulhoff, Neil Skupski facing Rohan Bopana, Matthew Ebden, and he both teams one and one this week. So this was winner take all to the semis. Lot of drama, and Bopana splits the 7-10, finds the middle for the score, and then serves it out big. And we're going to see here in the second set, Ebden is moving about as well at net as anyone uh, on earth right now. It seems like he kind of silently is in the right positions all the time. Bopana giving him a chance to check forward, split step forward. They don't see you. Make a quick move right, knock it off to the side of the court. That is just textbook doubles. <laughs> Bopana yelling at people. I love it. You'd never like to end a match on a double fall, especially when it's your last match of the year. I know Skupski's going to want to get back and right that wrong. But Ebden and Bopana move it on. 43. Him and Ebden, they can still end year-end number one, by the way, if they reach the final. Rajiv Ramjo Salisbury, they already qualified, Jim, fourth straight year. But they're looking to get their eighth straight win in turn against the Aussies. Rinky Hitchikata, Jason Kubler. Objects in, objects in motion stay in motion, and that's what we've got with, with uh, Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury. A great partnership. An American and a Brit, they have been strong from the jump. Both of these guys are tall. they got big serves. Salisbury is a tremendous athlete, too. And uh, it took Tim Hemman kind of telling him, look, you can do this, before he realized how good he is. In the match tiebreak, they get the early lead, three zip. There's Salisbury everywhere on the court. Here comes Raji, the sweeper forehand. Yes, it looks like Pete Sampras. Everything he does looks like Pete Sampras. And they ran home with this one, 9-2 in the match tiebreaker. Clean sweep. Sorry, Nick, the Aussie boys just didn't quite have it. What can I say? I mean, me and Finale only won one match last year, so it's all right, boys. We know what it feels like. Ram Salisbury, <laughs> they've won their past eight in Turin. They lifted the trophy 12 months ago. So here we go with the semifinals. Grenoliers, the Bios taking on Bopana and Ebden. And then it's Raman Salisbury against Santiago Gonzalez and Edward Roger Vaselin. We head back to Turin. Alexander Zverev served extremely well to get the straight set win against Andre Rublev. He needed some help from Daniil Medvedev, couldn't get that, but still got some more face time with Prakash after. I couldn't help remember because you've been playing such great tennis, especially second half of the year, 27 and 9. And earlier in the year, as you said, you were really struggling with confidence, yeah. trying to find your way back. This is a huge learning curve. What did you learn mostly about yourself during this year? That, that things don't always go as you want them to. I learned that in 2022 when, when I broke a lot of things in my ankle and I learned that this year. But at the end of the day, hard work pays off, belief pays off. And um, as I said, in the middle of the season where I was barely winning matches, I would have not even imagined of being here. You know, I was trying to stay inside the top 20, top 30 maybe. And um, now I'm here, one of the best eight players in the world. So at the end of the day, I can't complain. You know, I'm, um, I'm happy with how things went. Of course, I'm disappointed right now, but that's how sport goes. That's how tennis goes. And, um, yeah, as I said, I'm motivated for next year. It's going to be a big 24, my man. Enjoy the offseason. I hope so. Thank you. Andy, instant analysis. Uh, man bun or headband for Zverev? What do you like better? Haircut. Haircut. Okay. You want the haircut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Nick's getting some great reviews when it comes to his commentary here on TC. The Guardian headline, Nick Kyrgios is a rattingly opinionated and endlessly entertaining pundit. I had to look up what rattingly meant. Do you know, Nick, what rattingly means? Uh, I stopped reading the media a long time ago, but I, as long as it's positive, I'll take it because it, it hasn't always been positive. <laughs> Lively and brisk. Rattingly. Uh, yeah, I mean, like like you got your cage rattled. Yeah, and, and, and endlessly entertaining. I think we know what that is. So, uh, The Guardian, The Guardian, how do you say it? I don't even know. The Guardian know of the Galaxy. They are, but they like Nick, and we're, we're here for it. <laughs> I am Groot. All right, let's check out a clip yesterday that drew some reaction from Nick. He's yeah. got to keep Thanasi on the inside the ropes because I think Thanasi was ready to kind of go have a good time, wasn't oh, he? Oh, he was. He was having a good time. But I, um, I was doing ice bars in the morning. I was like getting up at seven, doing like chip returns and doubles. I was like, what am I doing? I'm the only person in Melbourne Park practicing, and he was just rolling in from a night out. And I was like, people would think it would be the reverse. People would be like, Kyrgios is the one that's you know going out. But it was an incredible couple of weeks. Oh yeah, no, there were rumblings that Thanasi was tearing tearing the house down in Melbourne yeah. during that tournament. It was, oh, yeah. uh, it was, it was tough. <laughs> so, uh, your boy chimed in. Some man's doing me dirty here, Nick. <laughs> he loves it. Let me tell you one thing about Thanasi. He loves it. When I, when I start saying some controversial things about Thanasi, it's not the first time. He loves it back home. Trust me. His DMs will be flowing. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's going to slide in there? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I... <laughs> I, I, I will. All I know is that I'm here for it. I do not want Mr. Curious to take his foot off the accelerator. Get him. All of us enjoy it. You said Australians enjoy it. Americans enjoy it. Keep that foot on the gas. That, that's a highlight show right there. We just get like some reality show of the two of you guys running the world. That would be, uh, you know, add that into Breakpoint on Netflix. We got right? special case. That's even what we better. really yes. need on, on Breakpoint. I think. You and Tenasi. The ratings will have to be R rated. All right, it's not PG. You were Great. you must have been hearing a lot of stuff, Jim. I got my ear to the pavement over there in Australia. <laughs> I hear a lot of what's shaking. Oh yeah. I mean, when you won Acapulco, it was you know there's some partying going on, right? And then Tanasi when he wins this, so it does work out. I think you just got to find that balance. Definitely find that balance. Okay. You know, there's been times where I've prepared amazing and it hasn't gone great, and there's times where I've had terrible preparation and I've won the tournament. So I'm still wondering what I need to be doing out there. <laughs> I think last year, I mean, you, fig you figured it out. Much more still to come here on TC Live. Do not go anywhere because uh, Saturday's showdown is a special one. Number one, number two, as Nick calls him, the king against the new generation. We'll break it all down. Winners picked next. two-time Grand Slam champion, and he will be coming back in 2024. Did I confirm yesterday? I'll be back. Stay tuned for when I decide when and where that will be. But Rafa is making a return next year. This yeah. is the last match we saw him play. It was in January in Australia. Second round against Matthew McDonald. Straight set loss. Then had arthroscopic surgery in June to address his injured hip flexor. 
And now it's time to talk about what we expect for when Rafa does come back this year after uh, nearly a year of being off. We don't know if he'll be in Australia or not. Yep. He's going to turn 38 in June. We know that for sure. Uh, what do you expect from Rafa? Uh, full effort, right? He's going to, if he gets back out there, you're going to see intensity because he doesn't know any other way to play. He's going to come full guns blazing. I was there calling the match right behind the court when, when he hurt his hip this year at, at Australia. And you could see the shock on his face when it happened that, oh, no, this is happening to me again after all the rehab he'd gone through to get back there. He's a player who he knows exactly how he's going to play, what he wants to, to achieve. But confidence for him doesn't flick on quite as easily as it did for someone like Federer. He needs the reps. He needs the practice. The depth of his shot gets better and better and better as his confidence grows. So he's going to need a clean run of health to get back up and running at his appropriate level. And we just wish that that will happen, that he'll have a chance to at least give one more big run at Roland Garros and wave goodbye to the fans. He's given us so much, we'd like to give that back to him for sure. This is a guy, we've seen the videos he's posted. He's been in the gym, looks great. He's been on the court, looks great. He said, I'm not going to win more Grand Slams than Novak Djokovic, Andy. But he said, I'm going to have the opportunity to enjoy myself again. How special is that for this guy being able to go out on his own terms? Well, that's huge. Like the, the best thing we can wish for as kind of fellow players and, you know, analysts is for someone to finish on their own terms and not be forced out of a sport that they brought so much joy to uh, based on an injury or based on not being able to get back from an injury. I will say, I don't know whether or not he's going to play Australia. If he does decide to play the Australian, I would fully expect him to play either a 250 or something to get some matches in before that Grand Slam. I don't think that he will play Australia if he can't get some reps in and at least a two out of three set level uh, before entering kind of the, the mess of three out of five. But listen, every decision he makes is going to be made with the date circled for the French Open, right? That's the one that's going to dictate every decision that he makes from now until then is, am I healthy enough? Is this going to be beneficial for my one last run uh, at Roland Garros? No matter how much prep work or matches he gets in before Paris, where do you, if, he, if he's playing, where do you put him as a favorite at Roland Garros? I think he wins the majority of his matches at the French Open by just turning up. You know, I think best of five. Mm -hmm. I played him in Rome one year um, in, in a best of three, and I couldn't walk the next day. Um, so I think most of the players don't want to see him, obviously, at the French Open. But I'm, I don't have any expectation for him. The fact that he's still hanging around, he's going to grace the court one last time or one, one last year. I mean, I, I just want to see him play again. I think the whole tennis world misses him. I'm, as one of his fellow competitors, we've had some absolute battles and epics. And I just, you know, I, I, I want to see him around as long as possible. You know, it's still surreal that Federer's not here. I don't mm. want to see one of our, you know, one of the greatest of all time go anymore. And it's worth remembering that Federer was not even close to healthy in mm. his final yeah. Wimbledon run. Yep. When Hercotch beat him in the quarterfinals, he made it to the quarterfinals, yep. basically on one leg. Yeah. So it can be done. And at Roland Garros, the intimidation factor starts when you walk in as, mm. as another player. And, oh, by the way, there's a statue of Nadal, and he's still in draw. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's no fun. <laughs> uh, let's take a look at what Rafa has done over the years. I mean, it, listen, 664 is, is not not where he wants to be, but he hasn't played in a year. That, that's <laughs> tennis. It's a meritocracy. It's year to year, and that's how your ranking goes. But 22 career major titles, the 92 singles titles, nearly 1,070 wins, 209 weeks at number one, a couple of gold medals. I'm curious, Nick, because when you kind of broke onto the scene 2014 Wimbledon, it, that was beating Rafa, and then you've had some epic matches against him as well. You've played all the big three, but is your kind of rivalry with Rafa a little more special because that's what got you 
you know, all the headlines to start. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm probably a bit of more of a friend with Novak and Federer than I am with Nadal. We still have a bit of a, I think there's some bittersweet kind of, you know, rivalry there between me and Nadal. So I think, yeah, I mean, that, my day, my life changed forever when I beat him that time. And, and he's given me some ass whoopings. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that. You just that, did but it. I, um, you just did it. He's creamed <laughs> me sometimes and I've, I've learned some of the things about myself and he's made me improve and he's just made me an all-round better player, you know, for my career moving forward. So to say that I've played him nine times, I never thought I'd play him that many times in my career. So, yeah, I just want to see him back out there healthy. When we saw all those numbers, Jim, which one still blows your mind? There's one that's not even on there that, that I always refer to as just jaw-dropping and almost unimaginable. When he entered the top ten for the first time, he never yeah, yeah. left it again yeah. until his injuries this past year finally took him out of there. Throughout all the time off the tour and the injuries, he still stayed in single digits. No other player, Federer or Djokovic, could say that they could do that. That, to me, is another piece of his legacy, his, his just consistency being in the top ten was remarkable. Nearly 20 years yeah. did not leave the top ten. Yeah. Crazy stuff. It's so a joke, no? <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait to see Rafa back on a tennis court, healthy and enjoying himself. Yeah. All right, Nick, it's time for your one question from our okay. Tennis Channel staff today. Logan Finnell from our programming department. She played college okay. tennis at LMU. Okay, this so she, she's a tennis player. Yep. Says, for a guy like you who's had your share of racket abuse moments. Really? Okay. <laughs> what is fair punishment or a fine for racket abuse? Um... I think there's got to be levels to it. I mean, if you see on the screen there, some of them are not great. Um, I think, yeah, code violation and fine, you know, however much the tournament wants to find me, I think there has to be a penalty for it. You know, I think now I understand, you know, how many people are watching and, and I'm a role model to so many of the youth. So I never condone the behaviour. At the time, I'm just frustrated. But there definitely should be a penalty. I don't know. The, the, the tour has fines for that. And I've paid all of them, by the way. I've never not paid any fine. I've given back, so... Yeah, I think last year I only, broke, I only broke one racket, so that's not too bad. Well, you only played one match, right? No, like last year, last year, oh, okay. last year, last year. <laughs> <laughs> last year, last year. Hey, Andy, what do you... I know, because you've done a tutorial, Andy, for racket, an racket throwing. Listen, like, I, like, I might not have had as many... Oh, here, yeah, yeah, this is it, Nick. My whole thing. I don't care if... Like, I'm not <laughs> down for penalizing people for breaking their own stuff. Just don't break anyone else or anything yeah, else. Like, that's finable. That one is findable. Throwing it straight down and breaking it like it's my racket. I can break it if I want to. I own it. But just don't hurt anyone else, and we're all good. I'd be a hypocrite if I criticized anyone past that for breaking a racket. Give me a break. Just throw it down. Save yourself yeah. some money. You know, maybe save someone from breaking something. That's all. Nick, Nick is tremendous at breaking rackets. He but he's never going to be Marcos Bagdadis. I mean, Bagdadis literally one. broke five in a row in on the, the court at the Australian Open in one sitting. I mean, that is elite Hall of Fame level yep, break. That, that yeah. one was hard to top, hard to top. I got pretty close in Cincinnati one year against Borna Courage, but <laughs> Bagdadis was, was right there. How yeah. many? Three. Three. Okay. All Three. All then I ran out, and then I had one left. I was like, all right, I only brought four rackets to the court. <laughs> Listen, we got we got to go to break with some more of uh, Curious's fine handiwork <laughs> with with the rackets. It, it, how many do you get a year? Like this, Yana took you up with six. I mean, last year I only broke one, and I played a full year, almost. <laughs> we love this though. But most of it's look, it's they're face down. Yeah, that was. That's yeah. more like Andy Roddick. Yep, that's not. That's it. Down. That's <laughs> it. That's the one. <laughs> we need the water bottle toss too. Yeah, I really have that. They did slip out of his hand. Andy, I hope our children are not watching this show. <laughs>
Curious Courier, Roddick Weissman back with our hot shot of the day, Andy. And this one had the Chuckster written all over it. The Chucky Chuckster. Curious, they didn't give him this Zverev up the line forehand, but this one was pretty good. And on the next pass of this, we're going to see him. I don't understand how anyone slides on a hard court. Watch this. He ends up sliding to stop with two feet on this forehand. Right here. Watch this. You slide. How do you? No, okay, sorry. So he chips this one, gets all the way back across the court. Watch this finish. He slides on two feet at the same time on a hard court. How is that possible, Nick Kyrgios? That doesn't make sense. It's not possible. I've never done it one time in my it's career. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, look, this one, the athleticism is ridiculous. This one there is absurd to, to create the angle and then the finish. And then it's the celebration I think got him over the line, the breathing. He always does that when he hits an unbelievable shot. So this one just edges there, maybe. He kind of does look like a, like a Torador when he hits the shot and he breathes. Like, this is kind of like, ole, after he hits the finish. What I love about him, too, is how efficient he is with his movement. Like, he could oh. be having a book on top of his head. It wouldn't fall off. But this little ole moment at the end, that was my favorite part of the whole Hockey game. stop. He's like Gretzky out there. Very much so. Not it's possible. Like, trying to get an extra can of balls at Roland Garros. No, not possible. No, no possible. No, no possible. <laughs> different language. Yeah. It's it is not possible. Take a look at our semifinal Saturday matches. Double singles it doesn't get better better than this just turn on tennis channel 6 a.m eastern stay with us through tc live for more we head back to turn with danny for all right, Steve, this semifinal Saturday could not get much better. We get to see another battle between Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz. They seem to just alternate wins here. So who's advancing to the final? Well, the good news is this is part four on Indoor Hard, which is the only version we haven't seen. I'm expecting another classic. Look, if you're asking me to put money on it, on this particular court, there's no way I can bet against Novak Djokovic, even though Yannick Sinner was able to pull a rabbit out of a hat earlier this week. But if there's one guy who's got the kind of firepower to be able to do it, like Sinner did, it's certainly Carlos Alcaraz leading towards Novak, but um, I, I just hope we get a thriller. Let, let, let's see a third set breaker out there. I heard you pick Novak Djokovic. <laughs> Pretty sure everybody else just heard that as well. Regardless, it's going to be an electric semifinal Saturday. Looking forward to it here in Torino. It is our FanDuel match preview. They don't even have odds out for this one yet. It's so good. One versus two, fifth meeting. Fourth this year, uh, first time we get one against two at the ATP Finals in the semis since it was Roger and Rafa back in 2007. That's how good this is, Nick. Give us your pick. Yeah, I think I'm going to lean slightly towards Novak just because he's won this event so many times and he's got that experience. Um, but Carlos Alcaraz is more than capable of doing it. I think today against Medvedev definitely boosts his confidence. And I think you're going to look for him to be the aggressor and then just play on instinct. Have some fun out there and enjoy it. I mean, best four players in the world, last event of the year, go out there and, and let's have some fireworks. Yeah, I mean, he's going to play some kamikaze tennis out there. There's no doubt about it. He's going to be the aggressor. Djokovic will try and counter that with his forehand and probably some wide serving, but expect Alcaraz to get to the net far more than Novak if he can. You know, Novak will try and, and try, certainly try and counteract that as much as possible. You went with Novak. I'm going to go with Carlos. Okay. We'll just see. We'll be in the booth. We'll have some fun with it. Uh, you've been right more than wrong, but, uh, you know, I'm going to give it a go. Okay. Yeah. I love when we have Roll that the going on there. Let's go. So, so we got 1-1 one, one here, Andy. You're the tiebreaker. This is a rematch of the Wimbledon final that Alcaraz won, the Cincy final that Djokovic won. W what's going to happen tomorrow? 
I've had a rule over the last 10 years that has served me insanely well, and it's going to be the same until further notice. I just don't bet against Novak in a singular matchup. I might be wrong sometimes, but over the long run, I'm going to be right a lot more than I'm wrong. So it's not that I don't think Carlos doesn't have the stuff to beat Novak. He obviously does, as evidenced by that Wimbledon final. But I just can't claim my own sanity with betting if I was to bet against Novak Djokovic. So that's that. it's as simple as that for me. Carlos said, to be the best, you have to beat the best. Once again, Novak is the best. He's year-end number one. 2-2 two, two head-to-head, though. That's right. 2-2 two, two head-to-head. 2-1 mm-hmm. this year under that. for Djokovic, because Djokovic won Roland Garros as well. It's so also true. Could be 2-2 two, two indoor, year. First indoor meeting, all kinds so of much. things. Oh, my God. That's why they can't get odds on it. There's too much to ponder. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pick'em. I'm just saying it's a pick'em. Pretty darn close to uh, that. The, the early match is Daniil Medvedev taking on Yannick Sinner, who's got the whole crowd behind him. This is their ninth meeting, fifth time this year. Last four matches, Andy, have all been finals. Medvedev won the first two this year. Sinner won the most recent two. What's going to make the difference tomorrow? Uh, I think Sinner's serving better than than he has before. Uh, And also, just to knock out power on both sides, he's going to have a little bit of time against Medvedev. And the way that he is striking the ball this week off of both sides, inside out, down the line, cross court, it doesn't really matter. And his improved returning. I mean, he is just throwing darts off the return. I'm not surprised if Medvedev finds a way to kind of get through this, but I just love what I see from Sinner. So far in this tournament, uh, he has been the best player. Uh, I have a hard time going against him at this point. You know, what, you know what I love about this matchup is the crowd's going to be a real factor here, right? Sinner's going to yeah. be able to ride the wave of the crowd, but is there anybody who enjoys giving it to the crowd more than Medvedev? Maybe Djokovic. Yeah. But, but Medvedev loves to let them know that he's out there and in control with his racket at times. So that's going to be a little subplot within this match. I, I like the momentum. I like Yannick Sinner in this match right now at this point in time. Hopefully his body is going to respond well, having had the day off. He did have the slight back trouble in his match yesterday. But uh, that 24-hour rest period going into two days' time, hopefully we'll do the trick. It's going to be fun. And if it gets feisty with Medvedev, I'll be excited for that too. <laughs> yeah, I think a key for Sinner is how well he's going to come forward. If he's going to incorporate some serve and volley, I don't think he's as comfortable coming forward as, say, Alcaraz is, and that showed today how successful it can be against Medvedev. So I'm going to go against you guys. I'm going to go Medvedev. I think he's going to really want to get this one. This is going to be a big one against Italy, against Turin, against Sinner. I'm going to go Dr. <laughs> Octopus. Let's go. Dr. Locking Octopus. The Slim Reaper. Daniil Medvedev. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think it's the, the crowd might push center over. I, I'm taking center in you this got one. center? Okay. Yeah. Nick, Nick versus the world. That's familiar. <laughs> that sounds normal. But I'll go Djokovic with him on, on that one. Okay. So. All right. There you yeah. go. So either way, we've got a great final coming up, right? Oh, there's no doubt about that. Come yeah. Just, just tune in early. Stay with us all day long. Got, got the whole crew. Brett will be calling the matches. I mean, it doesn't get more epic than this. It's only happened four times in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. One more sleep. One more sleep. I I don't know if you can even get to sleep, Jim. Probably not. No, not not with the anticipation. Too much energy. Thanks for watching TC Live, everybody. Our coverage from Turn continues after this.